I don't know. I've got so much bourbon. I wouldn't have to buy another bottle for the next, I don't know, 10 years and still be yes. okay. So. Yeah. The hard Seriously. thing is it's like, okay, <laughs> I could uh, just drink on what I have or try to chase these special releases. Um, I don't know. It's, it's like a drug. It's like, well, I can just get one more. <laughs> I know. <laughs> my wife seriously doesn't get it. I was going to say my wife just nodded her head in agreement. Like, yeah. Hey, everyone. This is the second Bourbon Community Roundtable with us and a few well-known bloggers. This all takes place on YouTube Live, so you can actually ask questions and see it live as we record. I'm sure this is going to turn into a monthly podcast because it's so fun to get lots of people involved. The video is available on our YouTube page right now, so go there and watch the additional 45 minutes that didn't actually go into today's recording. This is the last podcast for October, so that means you've got just a few more days to get in your Patreon sponsorships for our October giveaway. It will mark our sixth month, and we're going to be drawing for a bottle of Willett Family Estate four-year bourbon, and there's also going to be some other giveaways, so if you want your chance, sponsor the show on Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Bourbon Pursuit. Also, for all of our people that are sponsoring us so far, t-shirts. I'm working right now with a talented graphic artist, and we're finalizing the design. And we'll be shopping around for printing companies very, very soon. If you got a hookup in the custom printed apparel industry, send me an email. The duo, T-H-E-D-U-O, at bourbonpursuit.com. Happy Halloween, everyone, and we're going to see you all back here in November. And they're off for another Get 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 0002703. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or thebourbonconcierge.com and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Welcome back to the episode of the Bird Pursuit Podcast. Kenny and Ryan here tonight for the second Bourbon Community Roundtable, where we have a good group of bloggers here. And Ryan wasn't able to make it last time, but he's with us tonight. So, uh, Ryan, welcome to uh, another great Google Hangout session. Cheers, guys. Appreciate y'all coming. Nice. Sorry it took me so long. It's actually not that nice. I'm kind of disappointed in this this really? bottle. Is this the latest? Yeah, yeah it is. Okay. And uh, Let's yeah, tell everybody um, that's, that's not on here what you're actually drinking first. It's a... Uh, William Heaven Hill, the 105 proof, 15 year. Uh, it's about $270, and I wish Ooh. I'd never bought it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, there you hear it. That's pretty blunt. So let's go ahead and introduce everybody. And I guess while you're doing this, also tell everybody what you're drinking on as well. So, Blake, we'll start with you. Okay. I'm Blake from bourboner.com. Um, run the blog and website over there. You may be following the Pappy and Antique Collection release maps that everyone hates right now. Um, and I am drinking currently Rebel Yell 10-year. And then I was drinking uh, Abraham Bauman, uh, the Taruga, Tariga, and Merlot finished 
bourbon, um, which was a surprise find today. So, is that another one of those rare and limited releases that that coming from Bowen? Yeah, yeah, we were talking about it earlier. I didn't, I had forgotten all about this one um, and saw it behind the shelf. And I'm like, hey, let me see that real quick. Um, and uh, yeah, I I'd forgotten they did it, but it's 11 years, pretty good actually. Um, as far as wine finish goes, it's it's up there. I'm still a bigger fan of the Jefferson's Groth Cask, but pretty good for a wine finish bourbon. Awesome, cool, Brian, you're up. Yeah, this is Brian from Sipping Corn. Um, uh, more focused on Twitter than than Facebook or anything else, but uh, uh, I've got a bourbon tonight that a lot of people have been dogging and I'm trying to work through my Elliott Select. Um, I've got a Ooh, lower I proof like that. bottle that I'm really enjoying and I see everybody saying they've had 10 different private selections that are better than the $120 Elliott Select. And I'm not seeing it. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Um, but I'm a, uh, I, I am a fan of the OBSK and OESK. So that just might be the K coming through mm-hmm. for me, but mm-hmm. cheers. Awesome. And then Jonathan, right? Jordan. Jordan. I was always going to mess with worries. Up. One of those guys <laughs> from Breaking Bourbon, right? Yeah, one of those three. Real so nice. So I'm, uh, <laughs> my name is Jordan. I'm with uh, the website breakingbourbon.com. So we do reviews, news, uh, articles, and our big thing is our release calendar. So our up to date daily release calendar that we push out there all the time. And tonight I'm drinking Weller Special Reserve. So this has actually yeah. been my like house decanter bourbon for. I don't know, like 10 years. It's just cheap, delicious. And I don't feel bad about people coming over and drinking as much as they want without touching the good bottles. Well, good. We're going to touch on that one a little bit later because that, that's one of sure, my sure. like grinds my gear sort of thing. So, but we'll, uh, we'll kind of start this off because I, I put a, a, um, a kind of a, a agenda, if you will, today. And I put a few different questions out there. And, and I think it's some that are probably going to take up a good amount of time here. So the first one that I'm going to post to you guys is, what is your biggest bourbon regret? Now, a lot of us, and also for anybody that's also uh, on the YouTube live watching this, uh, use the chat window and also type in what your biggest bourbon regret, regret was. Um, I'll start with me first to kind of just set the stage here. So I think it was in 2014, I was at a local liquor store here and I was starting you know, just really getting into high-end bourbons. And oh, I've been around since 2013, but 2014, really starting to buy them. And I saw a bottle of Michter's 20 on the shelf. And I said, oh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've read people about this. I, I've got to have it. So I, I roll up to the counter. I got this bottle of Michter's 20 in my hand. She scans it. And it's retail. It's retail cost, which was $550 back then. And I was just like, ooh, like total like heartbreak. And I, I, I grudgingly handed her my credit card as I was shaking my hand. And I purchased it. I walked out to the parking lot, sat there in my car with it, and I thought to myself, I said, there's no way. Like, my wife, she will absolutely kill me. So I, I turned around and returned it in the store. So, I actually didn't know you can return liquor bottles. Exactly. So I returned it. And, and today it still haunts me because I would drop $500, like, no question at all right now on a Mentors 20 if I saw it on the shelf. So I'll pose it to one of you all. So kind of tell your biggest bourbon regret story. Yeah, sure. So I'll go ahead. It's kind of similar. So I had just, um, this was right around the time that Jefferson's uh, Voyage 1 had just come out. I was living in Chicago. I had just moved out of the city and I wasn't there that day. And I was calling one of my friends. I got a phone call from him. He was in Benny's. He said, hey, I know you've been looking for a Jefferson's Voyage 1. And I have one in my hand. You know, Do you want to buy it? And it was about $100 more than what MSRP was, or maybe I thought MSRP was about $100 less. And I was like, ah, you know, that's okay. I don't really want it that bad. And looking back, like, I would kill for the opportunity to have a bottle just to try it and drink it, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, three barrels, just to see how unique it was. Voyage 2 is one of our favorite. Voyage 1, just to see, like, that small boat, small batch. So, like, every year I think about that missed experience right around when it came out. And I was just like, oh, if I could only go back. Yeah. If only. Yeah. Brian, yeah, you're third. Yeah. So um, mine, I've got plenty of bottle regrets, both the ones I've purchased and ones I missed out on. So I thought I'd go different as I was thinking about this. And for me, it's it's not ever meeting Booker No. Hmm. And so he died early 2000s. So I think it was like 2004, sort of before 
we knew how important these guys are. And, and he's the one old school guy who I've, who I've never met. So my advice for anyone out there is if you haven't met Jimmy Russell, you got to meet him. If you haven't met Jim Rutledge, you got to meet him. Um, you even go out and find the Ed Foots of, of the world, the Stitzel Weller, the last Stitzel Weller master distiller. Um, he's a real humble guy who's sort of shocked that he's turned into a rock star now. Um, and you, you hear, you hear story. I hear stories now about Booker No, and I, I wished I would have met him and been able to hear some of the stories that that uh, he had that he had to tell. So that's that's my regret. Blake, your turn. Yeah, I was thinking about bottles and. There's definitely been plenty of bottles. I remember me and a friend were, you know, appalled that a store was marking up Eagle Rare 17 to 100 bucks. You know, we weren't going to break our moral compass and buy those. But then the, the biggest thing that I probably regret is not doing the bourboner barrel purchases earlier. Uh, we got in a couple years ago and have been able to get some pretty good picks. But I feel like, you know, if we would have gotten in in like 2010, 2011, you really could have gotten some some good and some more available bourbons. Then, you know, now it's like, okay, we'll give you these three brands or, you know, these few Four Roses recipes. Uh, whereas a few years ago, that wasn't the case. It seems just be getting tighter and tighter as we go on. So if I could do it all over again, I would definitely have started doing barrel purchases a lot earlier. Ryan, what about you? Uh, probably my biggest regret is bottles that I drank and I did not know what I had because <laughs> growing up around this stuff in Bardstown, it's like, I mean, my dad used to have Elijah Craig 18, 19, 20, you know, Noah Mills 15s and we would take them and just mix them with Coke at college parties. And like, like, <laughs> like, we had no idea what we had and it's that's probably my biggest regret like what the hell was i thinking but i wasn't so but no that's probably it yeah i i posed this question because it was actually asked on on one of the community forums and it was it was amazing to read a lot of the people that most of them were bottle regrets i think that was that was most of them because a lot of more people that said i i had Pappy 20 or Pappy decanters. I had three of them sitting in front of me for retail and I didn't want to pay the, what was it at the time? Like $300 or $350 or whatever it was. And they said, there's no way, like never going to touch it. So a lot of people said about that. Um, there was one that's from another person that was pretty well known. And he said that he had access to pretty much every Epic Willet that was ever released in Washington, DC. And he he had free access to it just whenever he wanted it, but you know nobody can can see the can see the future. So he only ordered those those willets when he was really low on stock and needed to just sell a few more. But it it just kind of goes back and kind of just goes to show you how funny all this is. And I know that if we could have rewind the clock, you know, hell, even even five years, I think we'd be in a, a different spot than we are today. Absolutely. For sure. For sure. I passed up so many sitting on the sitting on the shelf back when it was there every day. Oh, Which I think makes we you all think did. like today, are we gonna be saying this about, you know, Weller twelve in two or three years of like, oh geez, what were we doing? Passing on I guess nobody's really passing, <laughs> nobody's on, passing yeah, on. I didn't pass on <laughs> Yeah, but still, you know, they're, they're, people are camping here in Florida. Yeah. Um but there was a time when you know, I could just go grab it off the shelf and now the label's going to change and people are going to be, you know, ISO, old label Weller, and uh, I'm sure it's coming. <laughs> the new old squat bottle, whatever it's called. Right? Yeah, 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 that redesign. <laughs> the teardrop. So, so Whiskey Zealot posted and he said, his biggest regret is a tie between pa passing on the Booker's 25th at retail and also not stockpiling will it four-year-old single barrel rye when it was readily available at $35. Yeah. And you know, this is actually kind of funny because it brings it up today that will it actually had a release in their gift shop and it was a 25 year old rye and it's a, a gold wax rye. And you kind of think to yourself, well, they haven't been doing gold huh. wax in gosh, uh, since early 2014. That's when they stopped doing wax. So yeah. The the MSRP or the retail on 
this 25-year ride for the longest time in the gift shop was $300. I mean, it sat there. It sat there for two years. Nobody touched it. And today they put it in the gift shop. I am, we're all pretty sure it's the same exact bottle just because it's a gold wax and they've just been sitting on it. And after tax today out of the gift shop, there was $800 and they sold out and they sold out in, I don't know, That's two an expensive hours. Piss. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So it, it kind of just goes to show you that it's, I think, I think Carrie might've, might've said at one time calling it FOMO, right? The fear of missing out. And so everybody's <laughs> yeah. just buying yep. up what they can get. Yeah, so, so somebody was mad about that, and I'm like, it sold out in two hours. If it was significantly overpriced, it would you know it would have at least sat there for a week. But two hours, you can't be angry at him for that. Uh, oh no, I mean, I I think, it, I mean, come on, let's let's take a take a step back and even think about what was named uh, the whiskey of the year, right? Mm-hmm. So whiskey of the year this year was Booker's Rye. That's what was named, and uh, that kind of came out at what everybody thought was a, a good secondary price, right? Uh, mm-hmm. What was it, three hundred dollars, two hundred fifty yep. MSRP, right? That's, that's yeah. pretty expensive. And uh, and so, but it didn't really stop anybody from buying it. Everybody bought it, it us, right. right? But I think it's yeah. at least at least I think with it being chosen as whiskey of the year, it, it justifies the price tag. Um, now you all have probably tried it, so did you really think it would be considered whiskey of the year? Uh, I did actually. I, I thought it was really good. Um, you know, to say something's the very best whiskey released this year, I, I think that goes off personal um, preference. But you know, it had a lot of things going for it. One, it was one of the last things Booker No laid down. Two, it's a once, it's a single mash bill of rye, so it's un, unlike anything else Beam has ever produced. 13 year barrel proof, you know, the list of catch words goes on and on for whiskey enthusiasts. Um, and it was really good. It, you know, the, the taste was really good. If people say, Oh, it's bad. It's terrible. They're lying. Like you can't taste it blind and say it's bad. Like you can either say, eh, it's pretty good. Or yeah, this is really good. Um, so I didn't think it was a bad choice. Um, you know, but I'm also a big Booker's fan, Booker's Rye fan, so maybe I'm biased as well. You're the only person this table has actually been invited to an official round table. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's nothing to do with it. You know. <laughs> oh, cool. They, I don't know. We, we haven't – go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say we have – you know, each – the three of us breaking bourbon each got a bottle, and we haven't cracked yet. We're looking forward to it. We're going to crack when we get together in two weeks. So um, if it's anything like – you know, I realize it's a ride, but if it's anything like their their last special release, the twenty fifth, mm-hmm. I think we're we're looking forward to some something magic coming out of that bottle. Cool. So the we'll twenty fifth kills it. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely yeah. kills it. Um, but it was it's it's definitely in the top two at least, and I haven't and I say that because I haven't tried everything this year for, uh, for the special right. releases. But it's it's pretty damn good. Awesome. Well, great. So the other person that said they, that they don't have any regrets, no regrets in buying bourbon, maybe they should have just bought more. So there's really no problem with doing that. I think. Yeah, that's probably should have, if, knowing what we know now, maybe like mortgage the house and just gone out and bought a ton of bourbon. It's it's a better return than the stock market right now. Yeah. It's oh, crazy. yeah. Guarantee that 2009 would have been the perfect year to just really double down on everything. Just <laughs> All right, so we'll move on to the next next chapter here. And I, I pose this question, and I'll pose it to the the people that are on the chat first. Um, what are your thoughts on getting bottle signed? And I brought this question up because, at least here in Kentucky, we have opportunities all the time. You've got the Russells, you've got the Samuels, you've got uh, no. I mean, the list goes on and on and on of all these people who set up these private tastings and private signings of their bottles at pretty much every liquor. I mean, you could probably go around like it, every week. There's at least one liquor store that's doing a signing with a master distiller somewhere. And so it's pretty easy to go and get these bottles signed. And I kind of look at it and I'm thinking like, okay, well, it's cool to get the bottle signed just because it's by the master distiller. But what after effect is that going to have on you actually cracking that bottle open? So I'll pose it to you guys and, and what you think. 
actually, I mean, personally, have, yeah, go ahead, Blake. I was going to say, I have a lot of thoughts on this um, <laughs> because I've had this same conversation with myself multiple times. I actually hate getting a bottle signed because it basically guarantees that I'm never going to open it or have a hard time opening it. Um, I should have grabbed it, but I have a Jim Beam single barrel that Fred knows signed for me um, that I haven't opened. You know, it's not like it's some great bottle, but it has a signature on it. So I'm like, I can't open it. Like I just have to let it sit there. So um, I think the last real autograph I got was from Daryl Strawberry at a Dodger spring training game. And after that, I was just kind of like, I don't know. It, it, it adds another level or another reason for me not to open a bottle which is what I don't need. Like I just need, I want to be able to open the bottle and not feel regret and not have that. Well, it is signed, you know, it's kind of one of a kind now. Um, so I'm not a big fan of it, but. I mean, I say it's one of those things each their own. I have one bottle signed. It's, it's a trace bottle by Elmer and, and I probably won't open that just cause he's gone now. And you know, it's cool to have around, but to me, I view it as one of those things like people who have vinyl or, or CDs that they get autographed. Like if that brings them more enjoyment as they listen to that, like music and you know, that album or that record and, and they're excited about it, that's cool. If they're just getting designed to sit around, like Blake just said, then that's, that, that's not cool. Like one or two. Sure. But like when your whole collection, like you got 10, 20 <laughs> bottles signed, like, all right, maybe that does it for you, but maybe not. Like, enjoy the bourbon that you're buying. Um, but if you want to get it signed and crack and, you know, have a conversation with, with friends, sure, why not? What I like about it is it means that that guy is probably not a flipper. He's a collector. And and I prefer I, – I, my preferences are first a drinker, but then a collector and last a, a flipper. So at least the guy who's getting everything signed is is not trying to – to flip them. And, and I agree with you, Jordan, if, if it's your thing, go ahead. I've got maybe two signed from uh, Jim Rutledge and one from Drew. And I don't think it's going to stop me from opening them when I get to it. Um, <laughs> there you go. But it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it seems like a, too much of a fanboy thing for me, but uh, to each his own. Now I want yeah. to say with Jordan. Jordan actually has you know the bottle of Elmer signed, right? So that's and that one. That's different. Yeah, that's, that's like, so it's, that's it's like, like having a baby car. It's not a bottle of Elmer. It's actually a bottle of Buffalo Trace signed by Elmer that he actually picked out too. So <laughs> it's like a weird. I got this years ago. So, but that's like my like my one bottle that I'm like, all right, that's there off to the side. That's not going to be touched. Yeah, yeah, keep that that's, one. Yeah, that's that's gonna be a tough one. I, I think that'd be a tough one to open just because it, I mean it'd be like yeah. having something that's signed by Babe Ruth, right? At baseball or whatever mm-hmm. it is, it's right. just not yeah. gonna happen. No, uh, Jim yeah. Rutledge, no, uh, um, Jim, a uh, few other people, right? All these people will be around to sign bottles for for a few more years, right? So, yeah. but then again, for me myself, I've got few bottles of Pappy and I know uh, Julian is is pretty good about signing some of that stuff and he actually lives around here in this this neighborhood where I live and I could always take it over there and get it signed but I'm like I, I don't want to do that because then I'm I'm guaranteed that I'm never gonna open <laughs> yeah so I, I sure pretty much I pretty much go against everything that's at a bottle signing and stuff like that Ryan interrupted you before you what you're gonna say so so go ahead oh no you're fine uh I only have one bottle signed it's a Parker's blend of mash bills by Parker and uh, that's my favorite all-time bourbon. I have three of them. And probably when it gets to the point when I need to drink it, I'll probably open it. But for now, I'm going to cherish it. It's pretty mm-hmm. cool. I, I like Parker. He's a good guy. I've known him for for my whole life. So uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with it when it comes time to drink it. Yeah, there's definitely a difference between having an Elmer bottle or the Parker bottle where you got a personal story with that. But you go to Kroger sometimes and you see the pre-signed Chris Morris <laughs> yeah, uh, Woodford bottles, and you're like, why bother? You know, why bother? <laughs> yeah, that that one I wouldn't really care. Like, I'd open it up if if it was already signed for me. That has that has nothing. I know I've seen <laughs> yeah. Trey Zoller's uh, Jeffersons mm-hmm. being pre-signed yeah. over at Liquor Barns as well. It's yeah. really just like the stock boy in the back of Kroger. Like, oh, people <laughs> never know the difference. We're <laughs> <laughs> not gonna have an idea. There's there's no certificate authenticity that's being. <laughs> And then, so somebody else said that uh, Whiskey Zealot said, "Sign the standard bottlings, but never, always, never get a special one signed. Always, always drink the special ones." So that's a that's a pretty decent idea. So I guess get your bottles of Buffalo Trace and Eagle Rare signed, and 
kind of save the uh, the big dogs for for something else. Um, he also said that I had a bottle of Booker signed by Fred No, and I've been upset with myself ever since because I can't bring myself to open it. Since then, it's just been only standard bottlings. And then Troy says, yeah. "Here's to the drinkers," which, of course, we all we all love to see that. Cheers. Cheers. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon. The farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it uh, a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And you can get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. This next segment is something that was actually brought on by Blake because he posted it on his his forum uh, probably a few weeks ago. And I thought this would be a good question to kind of bring up and, and even get out to some of our listeners. And it's what distillery or brand does the best job at marketing their products? And so make sure everybody that's listening in to type it in their chat as well. But uh, before we get to Blake, because you probably digested all the information from your whole entire thread, um, I'll push it over to the other guys that listening or that are on this panel. So go ahead and kind of tell us what you think, which distill your brand does the best job of marketing. Yeah, for, for me, it's Maker's Mark, right? I think their advertising from views is just spot on and coming up with like really innovative ads um, often too. And they're just really, just really characteristic of representing the brand and, and doing a really good job. And um you know, maybe Brian remembers this one, but this was way back. So I was living in Louisville. This was right after the TSA banned liquids going on to flights. And right after that band, it must've been within like two or three weeks driving into downtown Louisville. There was a big billboard and it was just a Ziploc bag and had three makers yeah. mark the little mini bottles. The minis. It. And it said, right. the minis and it said TSA compliant. And I saw that and I was like, that might've been like 2006. I was like, that is awesome marketing, like spot on, super quick. And ever since then, I've been like a really big fan of seeing all the innovative ads that have come out from that distiller and that ad agency that they use. And it's just in my book, it's like spot on. I would agree completely. And I've, I was actually I've never been sad to see a billboard go down or get changed. But that intersection where you're talking about um, is has been bullet yes. and then other yes. things uh, since then. And I miss the, I miss yep. actually miss seeing a maker's billboard there. Because they always had, they were always so good. Yeah, always had great ads, and and so I, I agree with you. My my pick is is makers. Uh, the only thing maybe I can add to what you said is that their ambassador program is the standard bearer, and that's part of their marketing. Um, I, I think the uh, some other brands have tried to emulate that and haven't come anywhere close. Uh, from my legal standpoint, they've got the most iconic trade dress in the industry. That's part of their, their marketing. Kind of give everybody a little bit of a tidbit about the legal standpoint, because I know that's your, your bailiwick. Yeah. So I, I, (laughs) a lot of what I'm interested in are, are the trademark and trademark infringement cases among bourbon brands and makers. Mark has been involved in their own fights and, and keeping, 
uh, some of uh, Diageo's tequila from using dripping red wax and and enforcing their their trademarks and defending themselves pretty well on using handcrafted on their labels and, and those sorts of things. But their their bottle design is unique. It's got the broad shoulders, and that's part of its protectable trade dress. And then the, of course the dripping red wax, and they incorporate that into everything. And when you've got a brand that can be consistent from from the word go. Um, I think that's something the marketers can can work with, and it shows that uh, that makers is 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 tops on marketing. I think I don't think anyone even is a close second. Well, Ryan, what do you think before we get to Blake? Because I think Blake's gonna have a pretty good uh, good good in depth question or answer. For a lot us. of pressure now. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> I mean, makers is definitely the best. I mean, you just go anywhere in the country, and you can find it anywhere, and the, the billboards around town are just awesome. I mean, it's what's that one on the interstate it says low and slow, like uh, traffic on the spaghetti junction, you know, like uh, yep. that, that, that always sticks in my mind. But, uh, you know, a close second, I think that they're growing just so fast and spreading their brand really fast is Heaven Hill. It seems like Evan Williams, Elijah Craig, Larson, are just kind of exploding, not only here, but over overseas. And I, I, I think – they're a brand that's just going to continue to grow. And I, I think, I don't know. It just seems like they have just grown so much in the past 10 years that, that, that I've seen. Cool. And I'll, I'll give you mine before we reach to you, Blake, but you know, Brian, you mentioned it earlier about Diageo and I think everybody kind of either, you either love them or you hate them. But I think what Diageo has done with orphan barrels is, is marketing in its, is just genius, right? It's just absolutely that is true. And what they've done with that, yep. um, by just saying that out of nowhere, what it started two years ago, they've got these twenty-year-old bourbons that have been "quote unquote" lost, right? These orphans, <laughs> um, and and it's bullshit. We all know Book it's sinker. Like, yeah, there's there's no lost barrels that have been sitting around in some rickhouse that was never inventoried. We all we all know that it was somewhere, but. You know, they were able to buy these, source these, or, you know, buy whoever actually owned the distillery or whatever it was from and, and be able to to put a market on them. Not only that is they come up with some some pretty catchy names for them, but I, the names are one thing. It's it's the artwork, I think, that sells a lot of people as well as the bottle design. I mean, it's, it's just a very elegant piece uh, in regard to the bottle design as well as just the, the artwork that goes into it as well. So I think um, when you when you have something that you know has has such a, a prominent dress to it, right? You you kind of like you're like ooh, like every single time there's a new Orphan Barrel release, I have to sit there and think to myself like ooh, do I want to get this? Like, but I was like, <laughs> I, just remember remember Forged Oak, just remember Forged Oak before you buy this, right? <laughs> so so yeah, I always have to sit there and try to catch myself if I am gonna buy uh, another Orphan Barrel product or not. So Blake, I'll, I'll move it over to Hi, you. Uh, all right. Well, I wanted to have like a um, big dissenting opinion here, but uh, I, I think Makers is the obvious choice for who's doing it best just between their ambassador program. Um, you think about every one of us once we got started into bourbon, I get, or maybe before we really got started into bourbon, what was the number one brand? It's like, oh man, Makers Mark is like that pinnacle of what bourbon is and you don't even realize there's this whole big world outside of that so they've done a great job there um orphan barrel that's another great one because they took something they took barrels that were probably going to be blended in some cheap whiskey and turned it into 100 to 150 dollar bottles i also think beam does a really good job um you know you look at bookers and how they've change the bookers batches to have names and easily identifiable batch numbers. Now you have people say, Oh, did you get the bluegill batch? Did you get the, you know, whatever a big point. man or, um, yeah. Anis, Anis's yeah. answer, whatever the batch is. I think that was really smart. Um, a lot of the other popular answers, which I don't necessarily agree with are like Pappy. I think Pappy kind of, was a monster of its own. I don't think that was, I mean, obviously they had a really good product. Um, I'm sure the Van Winkles pushed it, did a really good job, but that just kind of was one of those, you know, outliers that grew despite <laughs> what they were doing. You know, you can't, 
you can't buy that kind of attention basically. Um, but it's really seems to be the bigger guys who are doing kind of that more thoughtful, um, really purposeful marketing and, and that's being makers and Diageo seem to be the big ones. Um, Heaven Hill, uh, I, I, I think they've done a really good job. I know Ryan's going to hate me for this one. That's all right. Hey. I mean, obviously, Evan Williams is a huge brand, um, and I think they're starting to figure it out, and that's been the big, you know, uh, how they've revisited the Elijah Craig with the age statement, now the new barrel or the new bottles, new labels. Um, I think we'll start seeing a bigger push with that. Um, but it, it just is really the big guys who maybe it's because they can hire really good PR firms um, because bourbon makers are good at making bourbon. They're not the best at PR, marketing, everything else um, that, you know, they have kind of that opportunity to build these cool programs, batch numbers, all that stuff. So um, that's, those would be my pick makers and uh really bookers, but beam as a brand has done a good job as well. You know, you don't get to be world whiskey without having some good marketing behind your product as well. One thing I think also too, I forgot with Buffalo trace, it seems like they're using scarcity to their advantages or using that as a marketing tool. They're kind of limiting or their allocations and making it seem like their products, you know, more limited or more sought after than maybe it really is. I don't know. Kind of yeah, like- and and I think they've kind of scared themselves away from that now. Is like, oh, geez, that worked really good. Now we have people banging down our doors asking <laughs> why they can't get Blantons or you know just regular <laughs> Buffalo Trace on their shelves. And it's like, oh shoot, like, what do we do? <laughs> yeah, they're like Buffalo Trace is limited one per person. It's like, yeah, which you think is crazy, wow. and that's where you know. They're aside from their other marketing is like posting a meme of John Hamm from um, Mad Men, and like, that doesn't necessarily. I mean, my, that doesn't hit me as the target market. I, I guess I'm not speaking for the entire bourbon industry, but um, you know, some of the stuff they do, I'm just like, I feel like they're just kind of maintaining at this point, um, whereas you know, a makers who has people put their names on barrels and sends out Christmas gifts and all that kind of stuff that builds a lot of brand loyalty. I mean, I talked to a lot of guys who have been drinking makers for 30 years. Um, I mean, I'm only 31 years old, so there's nothing I have been doing consistently for 30 years. Um, to think that I would only drink one bourbon brand seems kind of crazy, but there's, there's guys out there who have, been loyal to that brand for that long so yeah and to kind of just tack on to that you know when you Blake when you were talking about the Van Winkles and then what have they done in regards of marketing uh you know Whiskey Zealot said that they've taken advantage of free marketing really well you know I, I kind of take your stance and yeah they've they've done a really good job of free marketing by not doing anything at all right they, mm-hmm. they their their job their marketing budget has got to be uh close to maybe like 200 bucks a year like they, they don't have <laughs> they don't have to do anything like it's they buy like, someone a drink at the bar once <laughs> yeah like they don't have to do anything right so so they've gotten pretty easy at this point uh Travis Roberts says that Four Roses does the best job in social media um, every person on this call right now is on Twitter and has probably interacted with the the Four Roses handle at some point. Uh, not only that, is they are also really good and uh, and as you said, Blake, about the the Buffalo Trace kind of like Facebook ads that they put out there, it's kind of almost like too cheesy, right? Mm-hmm. But I think what Four Roses does is a lot classier uh, in regards yeah. of what they're pushing out. Yeah, yeah, Four Roses probably deserves a mention there because they're really good about. I mean, you think of who's transparent and gives information that everyone on this call and most whiskey nerds want four roses. They're going to tell you exactly what's in the mash bill, how the different yeasts line up. You know, they always give years, that kind of stuff. Super transparent. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I mean, the best all around. It's important. You know, I, I reviewed the 1792 high rye and it's like, well, how high is high? Well, I don't know. It's <laughs> higher than the normal. Well, what's the normal? I don't know. We don't give that out either. 
<laughs> okay, so it's somewhere between uh, zero and fifty, <laughs> or forty-nine, I guess. Uh, um, whereas four roses, it's like no, we this is the thirty-five percent, or this is the twenty percent, and so I, I think that is good. Uh, I don't know if I necessarily throw that in marketing, but brand loyalty. I mean, I think everyone here has probably more than one. Four Roses uh, private barrel sitting in their home bar right now, and because it's, it's good product and like what they do. So, and I think we totally forgot to bring this part up about this whole thing. Travis Roberts even brought up the whole idea of celebrity spokespeople that are now starting to take over. Right? You had Mila Kunis that's doing stuff for Beam, um, and, and who is it that's doing it for Wild Turkey? McConaughey. Matthew right? McConaughey. McConaughey. Don't forget Matthew. All right. Sorry. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Got some regular IMDb zeros yeah. over here, right? <laughs> so, what do you guys what do you guys think about the celebrity spokesperson uh, point of view that that's starting to come into all this now? Is it is it is it officially jumped the shark? Is, is that what we're going with? No, it, it, you probably definitely jumped the shark when you have Matthew McConaughey doing Wild Turkey, right? But at the same time, you know, that's I've I've talked to friends who aren't normally bourbon drinkers, right? They're like, oh, I saw you know Mila doing Jim Beam. So next time we're at the bar, like they get a beam cocktail or, you know, probably not bourbon, works, but like a mean? cocktail or something like that. It, it works. And you know what? That's great. The more people drinking bourbon, the better in, in my book, right? Like, even though that means more people like fighting for bottles and stuff, if more people drink it, that's just great. Cause that just means it's going to keep growing. And, and we're just not going to get stuck with like a bourbon bus that leads us to like five or six selections of crap and a few special, special releases. So it's good. If I can drink wild Turkey and have a life like Matthew McConaughey, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm all for the celebrity endorsements and whatever and hang out with me lacunas all for that too <laughs> i actually really liked what he has done so far um because you know i was kind of expecting him to come in and it'd be like this you know he's gonna be sitting there lifting a barrel up by himself and putting it in. <laughs> do a push-up off of it so, he can now lift a six hundred pound barrel, and um, nobody realizes how heavy those things are. Apparently, um, but I think what he's, you know, at least in McConaughey, and you know, I'm allowed to call him McConaughey, apparently. So, um, <laughs> yard boys, yeah, <laughs> homeboys. Uh, no, I think what he's done so far with Wild Turkey has been really interesting. I think it's kind of brought in a broader audience, but it's still stuff that I watch as kind of a bourbon geek. Um, and don't think, wow, this is really cheesy. So, um, I don't know that you, wild Turkey probably deserves a little bit of recognition, but most of that I feel like is, I'm just a big fan of Jimmy and Eddie Russell. So, um, I think bringing in as long as it's done in a, you know, where the person at least knows about whiskey and can relate, there's actually some, uh, some substance there. Um, I think it's a good thing. Now, if tomorrow, um, I don't know, like I'm trying to think you of see, those. Say Rihanna or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Rihanna or like Justin Bieber shows up. Or, I guess Drake has his own whiskey. Um, you know, Justin Bieber jumps on Buffalo Trace and I'm going to say, okay, maybe that's not the best market fit, but yeah. So uh, we were actually doing, talking about this. I, I brought it up before the recording starts. So that anybody that doesn't know is that Heaven Hill also is kind of in the, the celebrity game as well. And they actually sponsor an MMA fighter. And so they have, of course, everybody that doesn't Phil know. Phil Mr. Heaven, Wonderful Davis. Yes. That's so him. Phil, Phil Mr. Wonderful Davis is actually sponsored by Blackheart Spice Premium Rum, which is, of course, <laughs> within the Heaven Hill portfolio. So don't don't automatically count them out. Just yet. I'm actually running in a 5K next week. So if Heaven Hill wants to sponsor me as a uh, 30 to 35 year old age competitor, tell them to feel free to jump on board. <laughs> you know their email. Make it happen. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Just let Larry know. He'll sign you up. Yeah. <laughs> so we're uh, we're reaching towards the top, but I want to kind of bring up one more question here, and uh, and this is going to go back. Uh, to you all and it's one of the things that i kind of have a pet peeve about and and I'll, I'll kind of put this out there for the people that are in the chat as well and you know what are your thoughts on just the regular special weller reserve or regular weller special reserve and i'll kind of start off because it's one of my kind of like 
big staking points. Maybe not just because it's it's decent, like it's Snob. okay bourbon. It's decent. It's okay bourbon. But when I like, I will. That's like that's like the 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 bottom thing that I'll take after anybody's house, right? Like I'll drink regular four as a small batch over it. I'll drink pretty much a lot of. I'll just drink regular uh, Heaven Hill six year old over it. I'm not a big fan of it. And I think the one thing that makes me most like the most pissed off is that when I see people that are in the forums and they're like, oh, scored this today or found at retail <laughs> <laughs> or they're taking pictures at Kroger and it's like on sale for $17 when it's like only $23. And it's like, who gives a shit? It's, it's Weller Special Reserve, people. So I'll kind of, you know, what do you guys think? Like, why do people go crazy over it? I mean, I'm drinking it right now. So this is, but I've loved it for, you know, I've, I've loved it for 10, 12 years. It's cheap. If you like weeded bourbons, it's a great bourbon. And, and for me, it's the one I always keep. I have a decanter. I don't mind leaving it out in the decanter. If people want to come over and mix drinks with it, that's cool. And um, I think it was probably one of the first like bourbons that I liked that was cheaper years back. So I stuck with it. You know, and not, it's still one of the bourbons that I recommend people are just getting in it. Like, oh, you try a wheat, like here, spend, spend a low amount of money, see if you like it. First, having to having to spend a few more bucks and get a different bottle, and uh, for those that do, then that's great. I'll just hook them into bourbon, but that's just my opinion. You know, a lot of people love it, a lot of people hate it. Um, I don't know. So it's better than Rebel Yell, and that's about all I can say for it. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> I, I haven't bought it since it was sixteen dollars, probably whenever that was, two three years ago. Never had a backup to it. It's it's fine. It's serviceable. But uh, Kenny, I agree with you. You know, when you start seeing the crotch shot pictures in, in <laughs> someone's car because they just found it, you, you just got to shake your head and tell people there's better things out there. But but Jordan, for an everyday drinker, uh, you know, it's, hey, it's, you know, it's just a nostalgic thing, right? It's it yeah, part part of it's nostalgia, but you know, it's it's totally serviceable. I mean, it's it's fine. It's but, cheap, and it's it's cheap. You know, I'll get Four Roses Yellow Label every day before I get it. Before I get the Weller Special Reserve, sure. Um, but I, I, but to to the point of you know what's what, why do people hunt it or take pictures of it? That part I don't get. That I, I, I get why you mind. have it in a, in a decanter. I get why you have it in your bar. That's great. But I'm I'm done with seeing pictures of it on Twitter. <laughs> Honestly, the bottles just gonna make it worse too. Yeah, and I think we yeah. can put a lot of this blame on Blake because he's the one who made the uh, the yeah, poor man's happy poor famous, man's right? So he kind of made that famous. Now I, he's he's admitted that it wasn't his recipe. He kind of took it from somebody else, but he's made it famous. And so now when everybody sees Weller Twelve, Weller One Hundred Seven, and they think, "Well, oh, Weller Special Reserve," that's it's got to be the next. Must be the same thing. Something right? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like the ultimate trickle down effect of bourbon. It's like. Well, you didn't get Pappy 15. Well, did you get the 10 or 12? No. Okay. Did you get Weller 12? No. Didn't get antique <laughs> either. Well, Weller Special Reserve is sitting there on the shelf. Um, it says Weller. Yeah. It says Weller on it. <laughs> it's like uh, the 10th step cousin of Pappy. I still have a half gallon of when it was the seven year age statement that I'm holding on to just nice. because. Um, I do like it. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not like go. taking pictures of it uh, with uh, which I'm just going to fill everyone's Twitter feed tomorrow because I know there's plenty of stores around town who have it sitting on the shelf. Like, look what I just scored. But no, I mean, I think it's it's good for the price. It's not like some huge prize because uh, it is pretty abundant. Um, but, you know, if you're new into bourbon and you've heard so much about Weller and weeded bourbons and you may just confuse the two. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, I, and even here in Louisville, I think I agree with Blake that it, people just associate it with Pappy. So they see the Weller name and they freak out and they just get all excited, especially if you're new to it. And uh, I'd much rather have heaven Hill six year or larceny, but uh, it's, it's still pretty good for a house bourbon. It's not bad. Yeah, and it, I think uh, to kind of just add on to the things that, that piss you off even more is that it's actually, if you go to pretty much any liquor store here in Louisville, you'll see that Weller Special Reserve has a sign on it that says one bottle per person only. And so that's, that's a just gives you, that gives you a telltale sign that, you know, don't come here to Louisville thinking you're going to get good bourbon because it's it's gone. It's gone. Yes. Absolutely gone. It's all in Brian's basement. 
So what the heck? Don't tell anybody. <laughs> no, it's in Kenny's. <laughs> I've been there. Trust me, it's there. <laughs> so with that, we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up because we've uh, we've of course, as usual, we always go over our time limit here. But uh, again, gentlemen, I want to say thank you for joining us on. Uh, quickly go through and just give a quick closing of how they can find you on social media and your blogs and all that sort of stuff. Blake, you go first. Okay, uh, Blake from Bourboner. You can find me at Twitter. It's Bourbonercom, and on Instagram is it's just Bourboner. So. B-O-U-R-B-O-N-R. We went over that last time of no E in Bourboner. Bourboner. Or at Bourboner.com. Uh, sign up for the email list and you'll get a weekly to, you know, sometimes two times a week, just depending on how much I have to talk about that week. Uh, but stay on top of all things bourbon and whiskey related. Sure. So uh, this is Jordan yeah. from... Uh, breakingbourbon.com. So you can go to our website, www.breakingbourbon.com, sign up for a newsletter. We just shot our latest uh, one out today. And you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Breaking Bourbon. And this is Brian with Sipping Corn. Don't look for any newsletters. Uh, don't look for any websites. Just look for me on Twitter. It's at Sipping Corn, S-I-P-P-N-C-O-R-N. And there'll be a link there to my blog that's got... Uh, uh, legal his, historical uh, articles and reviews. And on Twitter, you'll see random things like today I was out in, in Beatsville and, and posted a picture of the T.W. Samuels distillery and, and sent out a quiz to see who could identify it. Only had two people uh, get it correct. And one of what them was the, was the Kentucky Distillers Association. Yeah, I was just, what was the <laughs> final answer on that? Yeah, T.W. Samuels. Okay, um, it was. Yep, so it was right there. It's about four miles. I was in Cox's Creek earlier uh, this morning, and then it's it's literally like three, four miles away on Beatsville mm-hmm. Road. It's one of those great uh, abandoned distilleries. Now, there's still warehouses there. There's like 10 or 11 of them that uh, Heaven Hill uses and Maker's Mark uses two of them. But mm-hmm. the distillery itself is is in, in ruins, and it's just it still looks majestic. It's great. You can't find me anywhere. You can just follow live Kenny. podcast feeds. <laughs> That's right. Just, just, just follow Kenny and what he does at bourbonpursuit.com, Instagram and all that stuff. Cool. And so do, we'll, do your spiel, Kenny. Yeah. So we'll, we'll close it out. Um, just by 22 catch 22 says uh, antique is readily available here in Austin. So if you're looking for Weller 107, head to Austin. Uh, but with that, Thank you, everybody, for joining in. Uh, Make sure you follow Bourbon Pursuit on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Bourbon Pursuit. Also, please, if you like what you hear, support the show, patreon.com slash Bourbon Pursuit. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. And if you have any social suggestions, people we should interview, uh, get some other people on this, you know, roundtable because everybody's tired of hearing Blake. You know, you let me know, right? (laughs) I'm just kidding. We always always love having Blake. Uh, But uh, again, thank you all for joining in, and we'll see you all next week. Thank you.